Hello, hello. My name is Jess, and this is Patient POV. And you can find me on Instagram at Jess underscore and underscore Elda. Figured I'd say that one out of the bat just because I always forget. Um, so today we have a conversation with Chelsea and it was a great conversation um, about her journey with endometriosis. And um, so we can dive into that a little bit more in a second. Um, a little update on me. Last week, I did not post an episode of the podcast. Um, I had a lot going on, a lot of doctor's appointments and figuring things out. And um so I'll I'll probably dive into that a little bit more in in the future. Um, I'm just wrapping my head around things right now. Um, but anyways, in terms of this weekend, we had my brother's birthday. And so that was a lot of fun getting to plan his party. But it's been busy um, the last few days for sure. So just getting back into the swing of the week before it begins and... Um, to jump into this episode here, Chelsea, like I said, um, was telling us about her story with endometriosis. Um, she talks a lot about her mental health, which I think is wonderful. And I think it needs to be done more where we're just more open about our mental health. Um, so I'm very appreciative of her sharing her story. Um, just for people to know before they begin this episode is there are talks of suicide. So if this isn't something you think at the moment you're able to um, listen to, that's okay. You can come back next week for another episode um, or listen to one in the past. Uh, but it is a really good conversation that we've had. And um, if you are able to, if you're in a place where you're able to listen to it, um, it she, she, it, it is always wonderful when people can share their story um, so openly. So I do appreciate her her, sh her sharing her story and getting to hear from her. So yeah, I hope you guys all have a wonderful week ahead and um, thank you so much. Well, hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Thank you. Um, so if we want to just jump right into it, do you want to just um, start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit of your background and who you are? Sure. My name is Chelsea Hardesty. I turned 30 years old in December and I was born in Denver, Colorado. I was raised in Greenville, North Carolina, and I have basically grown up my adult life thus far in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and that's also where I received my endometriosis diagnosis after fighting all of those other states for a diagnosis and trying to figure out what's wrong. So I'm a wife. I have two kids and I also um, own a dog grooming business as well. So lovely, lovely. And then you're also, um, if I read this on your bio of your Instagram correctly, uh, you started a nonprofit. Is that correct? Correct, correct. I started the nonprofit um, actually this past year, and it started off as like an avenue of just um, kind of blogging. And the nonprofit started about because um, people just weren't really taking me seriously as a blogger, you know, mm -hmm. or an influencer. They're just like, oh, you're a social media influencer. But so you just, you needed a title for your work per se. And that's 
where the nonprofit became. Um, so me, my husband, and my mom are actually the board members thus far. Um, again, we just started a year ago, and we're working on building and having donation avenues um, and getting like websites and stuff started. But with debuckles in my health, it's really not easy to keep things moving on that end. So we're trying. Yeah. And all that actually also led me into um, becoming like a research assistant and like an Ohio representative for Worldwide Endometriosis March as well. So it's it's really been a wonderful journey, as sad as it is to have the disease, but... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really cool. How some things just lead you into other things. eh? Yeah. As you can tell, I'm from Canada, so I'm sorry for the A's that get thrown in there. Um, something else that just while we're doing a little introduction of you is, um, I try to ask everybody who comes on the podcast, um, what is a TV show or a podcast or a movie or a book that you've been enjoying right now? Right now. Hmm. I haven't really been watching too much TV lately. Me and my husband and the kids started the one piece on Netflix. Um, they have the, of course the anime version, but now it's the real live action version basically. So we've been kind of getting into that, but beforehand, I usually just kind of get into some good, like true crime documentaries, or I liked like NCIS and CSI and stuff like that um that's really my vibe and my favorite books in the past that I would read were more kind of like the maze runner 1984 and stuff kind of like that so yeah yeah fair enough that's awesome yeah wonderful um okay so just jumping into things how has your life changed since being diagnosed was there a struggle you were mentioning there was a struggle getting diagnosed in different states what what's your journey there been like it's been definitely a roller coaster up and down um to where I thought maybe like okay I don't need to go to the doctors I might I'm okay I can handle this and then getting knocked right down on my feet again and being like oh I can't I can't handle this I can't even walk I can't function I can't get off the bathroom floor without crying and then get knocked you know knocked down and I couldn't get myself off the bathroom floor and I'm just like okay something's seriously wrong and then those were the times that I'd go to the emergency room or reach out to my general practitioners and I just basically was led to believe that I was insane almost um tests showed clear scans showed nothing um we did some allergy tests and they found that I had slight irritations to um, like soy and wheat and stuff. So I attempted to do diet changes and I even was put on a clear liquid diet to see if it would help me. And it still didn't help me, which all of that food changes, I think made me develop like a food intolerance. I've become very wary of foods and I've become like on this weird self-proclaimed diet to myself where I just I can't tolerate certain foods anymore because I was either forced to or I was just like oh you need to avoid that you need to avoid that and now I'm just like I need to avoid that Mm. (laughs) so it's just this constant process in terms of diet in terms of mental health and then of course your financial struggles because I couldn't keep working and keeping money up when I started working in high school um once 
I got into high school was when everything really progressively got worse. And of course, that's when I started trying to work and everything. So it really cut me down immediately upon entering the world of having a career, uh, of trying to have a career. Not to mention while I was in school, um, you know, I never got the perfect attendance award because I was chronically sick, uh, having doctor's appointments, going back and forth between neurologists and dietitians and allergists and GPs and gynecologists just to be told nothing's wrong with you. And then I started being admitted into mental hospitals and being tossed onto mental health meds. And it's really just been strenuous on probably every angle of my life. <laughs> yeah. And receiving the diagnosis, I think, was huge more so for my mental health because I didn't feel crazy anymore. I was actually just talking to my husband about this today. Like I, that's the, I, I just, I don't have to sit here and feel a pain and be like, that's not real. That's not real. And that's what I was doing back then because they were telling me that I was making it up. It was all in my mind and explaining and having that feeling that what I'm experiencing might just be made up in my head. Like, you really begin to start feeling crazy <laughs> and yeah. that's where I was getting and I was I was done with my life and I had attempted multiple exits you know and hence the mental hospital visits and everything else and then the diagnosis came and I was just like wow it all makes sense and the fact that I know that so many other people were experiencing this is what led me to immediately upon my diagnosis begin that journey of blogging my my story and you know if somebody else sees me like this they know they're not alone because that's what led me to my diagnosis is finding the community that I related to and seeing oh holy cow I'm not insane all these other people are just like me and oh man and wow this information I never knew this information and oh my gosh here's some lists of specialists oh let me see who's near me oh my gosh there's 130 minutes let's go and boom a diagnosis and it's overwhelming <laughs> yeah no for sure that's awesome though that you've been able to take your experience and be able to help other people from it too like that's that's awesome although it's not great yeah it's it's the yeah. only thing that kind of kept me going through it all because although we have that diagnosis I'm we're still living with it chronically all the time dealing with repercussions and I struggle mentally all the time and knowing that I'm still helping and I've been told that I'm helping and I've been thanked for doing what I'm doing makes me feel like, yes, okay, I am here and I'm going through this, but I'm doing it for a reason. And I want others to know that they're not alone. And there are people out there who hear you and see you. And there are medical professionals who will do the same. It's just weeding those bad apples out from the good. And that's another whole feat in itself. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So from the time when symptoms kind of started to the time that you got diagnosed, how long had you been struggling undiagnosed? It was um go it was go well past fifteen years. I was probably pushing about seventeen years at that point. I was eight years old, um, and I started passing out on the playground and just having random symptoms. I started getting sick, um, and then they started. I think I had my first 
upper GI scope when I was nine going on 10 years old and they just saw some inflammation and ear, like minor like wear in my stomach lining basically but no cause for concern and they just thought that was what was irritating me you know so we just kept on going kept on going and I progressively got worse progressively kept passing out and then I would go to seek help and nothing was there <laughs> apparently you know mm-hmm. so it I just I took it all into my own hands because I just was like okay something's got to give something's not right I had that gut feeling you know everybody says you have that gut feeling for a reason and it definitely saved me from listening to the doctors that were telling me nothing's wrong and then just get my mind and diet right because mm-hmm. I don't know where I would be if I didn't pursue further in my own research to discover a surgeon that diagnosed me and removed the bits of disease that have been causing harm and chaos on my bowels for over 15 years. <laughs> That's it, crazy. Just, I just couldn't believe it. And waking up from that, sur- I just remember before surgery, she looked at me and she said, and what are you going to do if I don't find anything? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to give up. And she said, okay. And I woke up and I immediately like, I panicked and I looked around. I was like, did they find anything? Did they find anything? And the nurse was like, calm down, calm down. And I was like trying to take deep breaths and they brought the doctor in and she like immediately held my hand and she said, I found it on your colon, rectum and bladder. And I just bawled. I bawled like to have, just to know that something had been there the entire time and they just missed it because they just didn't know. It's just, yeah yeah no that's that 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 has to be hard for sure and so what have been some of your ways of like we're talking about all this mental health struggles because really you you went through the the ringer for a while and so how do you how do you now or how did you before how did you cope with all this stress and and mental health struggles uh at the beginning, obviously, it wasn't healthy. Um, I wasn't sure what was going on. I turned to self-harm because um, I was like, this pain's real, you know, mm-hmm. so I can take my mind off of what was not real inside, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it was definitely not a good um, avenue, but I got through that with the help of going to mental health um, clinics and the hospitals and stuff. And Although it sucks that I had to do all that at such a young age, I do believe that being able to go through all that is what gave me more avenues for self-reflection. I had time to kind of sit in those rooms and really think about it. And I had people that I could go and talk to immediately if I needed to, where I didn't feel like I had that just sitting at home, you know, Mm -hmm. and if I did, then I was, you know, somewhat judged. At least I didn't have these judgment at these areas and, um, when I started going, uh, I was in the children's ward for the first two times and th- that was interesting experience. Um, they kind of just kept you in a room and put on cartoons and you colored and drew until you had group therapy. And, um, the group therapy is what helped me the most out of those ones. But then once I started going to the adult wards, um, I went there twice to the adult wards, you had a little bit more freedom. Um, you could kind of hang out in your room with your door open, you could take a shower when you wanted. You just had to let them know, 
You could go hang out outside as long as they knew. You had the walk around area around the nurse's station, and then you could have access and more options to talk to your daughter, doctor besides just what was scheduled mm. if you had concerns. And that's what helped me because then the doctors that I had were genuinely, you know, concerned and stuff. Um, but I was, I mean, I ended up being diagnosed with an array of things at that point, you know, like border or bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, um, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until after I got diagnosed with all of that stuff and put on all these different medications that I was in and out of different therapists only because I couldn't find a therapist that like just worked with me well. That was the hardest thing too, is being able to communicate with a therapist. And so when I found that therapist, um, she started talking to me just more than even they did in the mental hospitals. And we determined that um, I had borderline personality disorder to where I was constantly second guessing every step that I made, no matter if it was good or bad. And my mind was constantly like, I, you know, I, for some reason started those questioning, which led to conversations in my head to where I would just sit there. And apparently that's the conversations in your head are, you know, borderline personality aspects, um, personality disorders, and I'm not going to blame all of that on, you know, the medical establishments, but I definitely blame a lot of it on the influx of it as a young adult, a young teenager and trying to manage everything and then not being able to help me properly and just throwing me on mental health medications that were wrong because mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, so it was creating a whole new other avenue of the suicidal tendencies so once I started speaking with that therapist I was able to kind of recognize more when I was self-doubting if that makes sense so like more onto that self-reflection again and inner feelings on okay start asking myself more of these questions on is this is this really real is this inner emotional pain or is this actual physical pain am I reacting to something that's outside or is this something that's actual internal because I started crossing my mental health with my physical health because of the doctors at that point so I couldn't differentiate what was what at that point so it's really helped me with the self self-reflection and differentiating differentiating wow I cannot speak differentiating there you go <laughs> <laughs> your your physical and your mental health and that mm -hmm. I think is hardest for a lot of people and it's also why I believe doctors immediately go to your mental health avenue because you come in there and you're just like oh I really need help I'm in pain and they're like well you need to calm down first of all because mm -hmm. that can that can influence a lot. So maybe if we can get you on some pain medication or some mental health medication and you take some deep breaths, go to therapy, then we can address everything. And then at that point, I was still being told it wasn't real. So I just didn't know what to do. Mm. It yeah. helped help with that self-reflection and guidance, knowing that something is seriously wrong. These doctors might not be right. I still had that little voice. It didn't completely go away. I wasn't able to lose it. And that was 
great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so now you are in America. Um, so how has the American healthcare system, um, uh, how has, how has your journey through the American healthcare system been like? It's been interesting. I was actually lucky um, by the time like the Obamacare and stuff became in a uh, thing, the Affordable Health Care Act. Um, my mom qualified. She was a single mom and I was still underage because you still I think it was like till you were 23 years old, I think 22, something like that. You're able to be covered under your parents plan. And I was able to basically get a lot of my health care stuff covered because I had government help. Um, and I know not a lot of people are able to have that help. And now that I'm, you know, an adult adult, I don't have the help and it is getting harder. Um, but there are some doctors that still have that genuine patient care. And they're like, you know what, let's rack your bill up. Uh, you have insurance, we'll rack your bill up. Uh, we need to get you the care you need. And that's exactly where I'm at here in Columbus. And my the specialist that I found after all of that chaos, she pushed for an emergency surgery for insurance to qualify it only because a month before that, I had a gynecologist who agreed like, okay, it could be endometriosis, let's do a lap. And he went in and claimed I was clean as a whistle. So she had to, being within that same month, prove to insurance, like, hey, I know she just got this, uh, like, this month, but this is an emergency, and I think they missed something. And she was able to get it approved that mm -hmm. way. That's also not an option that many people are able to get, you know, back-to-back -back surgeries. Insurance is like, Mm, no, we're not going to pay for that. Mm. Insurance has that huge choice in things. And that's what sucks. Now, um, if I was a single mother, I might be getting a little bit more help. But now that I'm, you know, married, and we have, uh, according to the government, we're well off, you know, we don't get too much help. So it does suck. But I'm thankful that I have found the good doctors in America that still take up, you know, the Hippocratic oath of genuine care and making sure that your patient is taken care of. Um, I, I don't know how it is like everywhere else for sure. I know it's just as um, difficult for many people. It's it, American healthcare has been iffy. That's for sure. Uh, it's, yeah. it's helped phenomenally. It's failed me tremendously. Um, it's, it's basically a 50, 50 at that point. <laughs> Like, yeah. I can't like American healthcare is great, you know, and stuff like that. But I also can't say like, oh, they're phenomenal, blah blah blah. But I can say that these few doctors that I've seen in the past five years hmm. are phenomenal, and they're able to have a conversation with you and communicate and work out a good path based on what you're comfortable with. And that's what I like. And that's what I was not getting with a lot of other doctors. It was just like, oh, we don't see anything. Nothing's wrong with you. So you need to do this, this, and this. Hmm. Now it's like, okay. But now I know like, okay, we have more of a voice than I thought we did in the yeah. past. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And so um, once you started realizing that maybe it wasn't 
completely mental health that was contributing to your your chronic health. Um, how long was it from the time you were asking to be seen by a specialist to being seen by a specialist? Was there a long wait time or was it quite quick? Um, honestly, it was kind of quick. In it was 2018 and 2017, I was addressing a chronic back pain issue. And I was trying to address that first before I went full throttle into addressing what had been wrong with me for years and years and years. So we jumped into that. And while I was healing from that, I started doing more research on the other symptoms I was having, which led me on to the endometriosis and stuff like that. Um, which then led me into the gynecologist by, um, September, it was actually like September 28th of some, or, or something like that of 2018. So literally about five years ago, I went to my gynecologist and he got me in for laparoscopic surgery. And he was like, yeah, we could check for endometriosis. It sounds, it sounds right. And he was in there for 30 minutes and said that there was nothing. So when I came out of that surgery, I immediately started diving back into the community that had led me to the endometriosis avenues, you know, and then I discovered, oh, I need, I should find uh, an endometriosis surgeon. Um, the gynecologists really don't have the, the skill that I needed. And if I would have just researched a little longer, I would have figured that out. But you know, we all learn as we're going. And that's another reason why I'm advocating. So people just aren't getting cut open for no reason. And they can just get the one and figure it out and start getting it removed and get on with the process instead of going years without understanding. So within that time period, I'd say a year, probably by the time I figured out, okay, it could be endometriosis. I saw one doctor, my gynecologist, he failed. And then by the time I saw my specialist in October, it was October. Let me see. It was like just a few days before Halloween of 2018. And I was diagnosed with endometriosis. So it just took a matter of me pursuing it because mm -hmm. if I don't think it would have ever been offered to me as, Hey, you could go see the specialist, you know? And I don't think, I don't know. I have no idea where I'd be if I didn't take matters into my own hands. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And so that was about a month, but a month of you doing your work, not the doctor leading you there. Yep. After gotcha. he told me as a whistle and work on my mental health, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I found that specialist. I called her, uh, her office. And I said, this is, this is the situation. Um, I found you guys, you guys were referred to me. They got me in for an appointment two weeks after the failed surgery. Two weeks later, I was having emergency surgery because that in-office visit was like, mm. that was another whole emotional thing of being heard and acknowledged and like giving me tissues and letting me talk and tell my story and hearing me. And then like, I, I do think, you know, we need to look a little harder and she did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So. um what is something that you might tell somebody who is starting out this chronic health journey, whether it's with chronic pain or endometriosis or um, something like that, any advice or something you'd tell them of encouragement? I would say on like the biggest thing is kind of follow your gut. 
uh, your gut, I, honestly, my gut has never really lied to me. Um, I might question it every now and then, but in the long run, I'm like, man, you were right. <laughs> so question your gut. If you're, if something a doctor is telling you um, doesn't feel right, doesn't sit right, tell them, mm, I'm going to need to look into this a little more. Um, try to start asking them the questions. And if they can't answer your question, that's a red flag. Uh, we need to be able to have communications with our doctors to feel comfortable on these treatments that we're going through. And to be able to do that, it needs to be able, they need to be able to properly conversate with us without making us feel bad for asking questions. So don't give up. Don't stop pushing for your care. Mm. Ask questions. Don't let them tell you you can't, because if they tell you you can't, then that's your that's your answer is go find a new doctor because they're not going to answer your questions because they either have some sort of push behind them that they're not going to tell you the truth or they're just, you know, a-holes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have there's the good the good the good ones are out there for you guys and it does suck that we have to take it into our own hands because we've been led to believe that the healthcare and these doctors are trustworthy and everything they say and their guidance is you know great 100 percent. but we're coming to find out that it's not been truth truthfully so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I really do appreciate you being here and joining me. I know it takes a lot of energy to sometimes do these these kinds of conversations, but I do appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm recuperating from my last surgery. I'm five weeks out. So I'm just trying to keep up and moving and trying to keep my brain going and doing stuff like this definitely helps me stay involved and perk up. That's for sure. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. 